Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. Called to live, commanded to love, and commissioned to serve. And how do we say it here, family? We live, we love, we serve. I want us to turn our attention today to the gospel according to Luke. And and thank God again for the mothers and you know, I, I realize over the years, some of you all bring your mothers, some, just a couple, bring your mothers to church and, and act like you be in church all the time. I'm going to have a conversation with y'all mothers after this. <laughs> I told you I'd be coming to church, Ma. <laughs> Luke 2. 41 through 52. (laughs) Luke 2, 41 through 52. Now every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up as usual for, for the festival. When the festival was ended and they started to return, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem But his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. Then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. He said to them, why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and in divine and human favor. Amen. Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you. And we honor you on this day. God, as always, we are grateful. In fact, oh God, we've learned that the best way to begin our day is in gratitude. For God, when we begin our days in gratitude, we give birth to joy. For it is difficult to remain miserable when we get up saying thank you. So God, thank you today for the little things that sometimes we forget to thank you for. Thank you, oh God, that some were able to put themselves together today. Thank you, God, for the strength that you've placed in our bodies. And even, oh God, if we weren't able to do it by ourselves, we don't feel as strong. Thank you for one more day. 
one more day. One more day to live. One more day to love. One more day to serve. We thank you for that. Now, oh God, let your word do its own work. And we'll be sure to get out of the way. And let you be God all by yourself. We love you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Remain standing with me. I want to read a portion of that from verse 49. He said to them, why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. Amen. Amen. Put your hands together and give the Lord a hand clap of praise. You can take your seat. The simple title today, and I won't be long for real, for real. I just want to speak today from this thought. Thank God for a mother. Thank God for a mother. I say that, before I fully get into the sermon, I say that realizing that some of us on this day is a day that can be, yes, one of joy. And for some, it could be a tough day. Those of us who have lost our mothers, that is why if your mother is still around with us, you ought to be grateful for that. And then... There's some of us who may not have had a great relationship with our mothers or, or uh, have had a tough going with it. And, but we thank God for those who stood in the gap and who became mother figures for so many of us. Some of those mother figures were aunts and godmothers and grandmothers and great-grandmothers and friends, family friends who had to be a mother. And for those who may have not had a mother present and mother passed away, uh, thank God for the mother figures again that God sent your way. And sometimes I realize it's, it's hard to recognize that because of what we want biologically. But sometimes what we don't get biologically, we get emotionally through the love of a mother. So I want to Thank God for a mother today, however that is. I cannot imagine what it must have felt like to have to raise a dream. That was the assignment that Mary was given. Here she was, a young girl, really given this significant responsibility. Somehow she was told that the child that she was carrying and would give birth to would be the hope of all of Israel. Can you imagine what she must have felt? It's one thing to nurture a child for yourself, but to nurture a child for the world knowing that, yes, you will carry him, and yes, you will give birth to him, but at the end of the day, 
He's bigger than just your baby. He was a dream for some people. The people of God, Israel, had been experiencing oppression for a long time, and they had been praying that the scriptures would be true, that they would experience a Messiah who would come and deliver them from their oppression. And before the revelation to them, there's the revelation to her. She was told again that the child she would give birth to would be a symbol and a sign that God was still with us. And the scripture says that when she was given this tremendous responsibility, she was overwhelmed to think that she, a young girl, would be nurturing this dream, this hope, this child. If you read the story, especially the way Luke gives it, she leaves there and goes to her cousin Elizabeth's house only to find out that her older cousin was with child, six months pregnant. And I love this scene that when Mary walks in to the house of her cousin Elizabeth and Elizabeth again is six months pregnant, it says that the child in Elizabeth's womb jumped when he felt the presence of the womb of Mary. It was amazing. Pre-birth, there's this womb conversation between what Elizabeth was carrying and what Mary would carry. Can you imagine that? That this dialogue, almost unspoken conversation between two, two babies in developmental stage is taking place. When Elizabeth feels her baby jump, she realizes that what she experienced was not just a kick from a baby. It was a manifestation that God's movement was on the agenda. And in that moment, she begins to tell Mary what she feels. And Mary feels the weight now of what she was carrying. And she begins to sing what has been come known as Mary's Magnificat, this beautiful song of, of how God looked beyond her lowly state and saw something valuable in her. She wasn't just carrying a dream and carrying a hope. In many ways, it was an acknowledgement for a young girl who felt often seen and not heard that she had agency and a voice. She would be the one to carry the future of Israel. Well, the story goes on reading in Luke, if you get a chance, that she stays with Elizabeth for three months until Elizabeth gives birth. And then in her three months, she now must continue to nurture her child. I, I can't imagine. The scripture never gives us any insight into what that must have looked like. But those of you who've carried a baby before, who may be carrying one now, you know, you know that you often find yourself talking to that child and rubbing that belly. And can you imagine what words she spoke after hearing what she was carrying? What those rubs must have meant and what those words could have meant. How do you speak to a savior? How do you talk to one who would be salvation? I can't imagine what she must have said, the things she said. And then, you know, the story again, it's in Luke's gospel and all of them, really. And at the time came that she would have to give birth and they were fleeing away from a potential census and 
they went to an inn and there was no room in the inn and and so she has to give birth to this future to this dream to this hope in a smelly filthy barn that's you know manger is just a nice way of saying barn it was a barn where animals were and you can imagine giving birth to god's dream in a stink barn surrounded by animals feces all of this and god is doing something in that smelly dirty space I hope you get this today, that in that dirty, smelly space that no one in their right mind would think of giving birth to a child in, God's future is being born in the midst of that dirty, smelly space. And here it is. Some of us think that God can only do God's work when we got it all together or when somehow the situation is optimal. No, I've said in the past, I don't want to honor a God who can only perform in optimal situations because what I present God has not been optimal in my life. And yet with my lack, lack, God somehow often makes up. That birth is a sign to all of us that God's best moves can be made out of most sight. Oh, you didn't catch that. That God's best moves are made out of sight of most of us. That's why oftentimes the places where everybody looking ain't where we're going to find the next move. The spaces that we're often drawn to in this cultural day, the sensationalized spaces, may not necessarily, may not be the spaces and places that God may do some of God's best work among the glitz and the glamour and the images and the facade and the pretense. No, God shows up through back doors and in dirty spaces and makes God's presence known. When she she's giving birth and after the child is born these these shepherds come in in Luke's versioning and they tell her everything that had been revealed to them about about this boy now here it is it's one thing when God speaks a word to you and you really don't share it with anyone and it's another thing when the confirmation of the word that God gave you comes from people who don't even know you I need you to sit with Mary for a moment here's this little girl who unexpectedly gets pregnant and if you understand the story, she's pregnant before marriage and at a young age. We don't like to tell that part of the story sometimes. We, we get in church and we, we've so divinized and sacralized Mary that we, we, have, we have taken away a chance to redeem young girls and young women who find themselves in the same position. It's like we bypass that. We we, buy, we, we tell people that they got to get saved through Jesus, but then we don't talk about how Jesus entered this world. We so caught up in the divinity of the narrative, we forget the humanity of Mary. She's a little girl who didn't expect to be pregnant, who gets pregnant, who's found out to be pregnant pre-marriage, and this is who God chose. That's the part about this story we don't often talk about. It's not that there is a mother. It's look at the mother that God chooses. Not someone of high status. Not someone who's looked upon. Someone who was set up to be chastised and ridiculed by the community because everybody knew her story. And everybody wasn't buying that it was some Holy Spirit that impregnated this little girl. There was some folk who felt some kind of way. And you know 
that for those nine months she had to endure some funny looks and some funny words said under there. But why? Because we know how people are. Even folk who claim to love God, we know how folk talk about you and look at you funny. I, I experienced that. Reverend Lakeisha can testify that, that her church loved and supported her until she got pregnant out of wedlock, took away this scholarship they gave her, left her. That's how churches do. We abandon little Marys. Y'all missed that part. We have a tendency to do that. We talk about them, make them feel bad, tell them that they got to come and confess to the church. That's what we do to Mary. But God says, favored. Read the story. Because when the spirit comes to Mary, the first thing the spirit says to this young girl who's now with child is favored one. Oh, God, that she is now favored one. Now, get this, a favored one who is not looked upon favorably by many people in her community, but she's looked upon favorably by God. You got to get that. This is kind of in the book, shameless plug, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of. Here it is, because we're so consumed about how other people view us and they want to label us and whether they favor us that we forget. If you are favored by God, you do not need or crave the favor of other people. If you see you and God sees you, that's more than enough to keep on pushing and keep on moving and keep on showing up in your life, that you don't have to have the whole world to recognize you, to feel valuable. In fact, if you hear what your mother tell them, Thank you real quick. Thank you for giving birth to me. And when I was born, you saw my value. You saw my worth. I was born valuable. And if your mother's not here, you remember her name in your heart and just say, thank you, mom. Thank you, my God. Thank you. Whether biological or not, thank you for nurturing me and thank you for believing in me. That's what Mary had to endure. Now, here it is. When they told her, the shepherds told her what they had been told. It said this, that Mary just treasured everything in her heart. When time came for Jesus to be circumcised and they brought him to the temple a few days later, Simeon and Anna, these two older elders of the fellowship were there. And when they brought that baby in to be circumcised, when Simeon and Anna, the two seniors, had been waiting, they had been waiting their whole life to see the Messiah. That when that little boy entered the space, something in their heart said, this is the one. They began to tell Mary of what they had been waiting for. Now imagine again, can you imagine when people you don't know, strangers tell you, we've been waiting for your child. Again, that second confirmation, the, the, the shepherds in the barn told her the same thing. And now Simeon and Anna tell her the same thing again. There's something cosmically significant about your child. Confirmation two, and it said this again, and she treasured those things in her heart. Yeah. It was Passover time, and some years had passed, 12 years that she had a chance to raise and nurture the future. And they went to the temple in Jerusalem during Passover. It was a, quite a journey from where they had grown up in the Galilee. And so, so on the day they were leaving the festival, what I read this morning is a powerful scene because after about a day's travel going back to the Galilee, they realized that Jesus ain't around. They didn't have to go back to look for him. Now, can you imagine when you've been given this tremendous responsibility they didn't feel irresponsible because you don't know where your child is? They go back now looking for him, and guess what? They find him in the temple. 
Now, people say in the past who don't read the text that he was in the temple teaching. He was not teaching in the temple. It says it right there. He was doing what, well, he gives a model for growth. It said he was listening and asking questions. There it is. That's a word for those of us who grew up in churches when he were told never to question. That, that means maybe to be a disciple and honor Jesus' teachings begins by doing what Jesus did. He wasn't teaching in the temple. He was listening and asking questions. I mean, I was always thrown by that as a child. I remember asking, I think it was my aunt and my uncle, who was my Sunday school teacher, and I asked a question at the time. I can't remember the full scope of the question, but it was a question I shouldn't have been asking at eight. And I remember hearing that statement, you know, you don't question God. Now, how many of you heard that coming up? You don't question God. Yeah, yeah. Now, you, you heard that, and then all of a sudden, you felt some kind of way about the questions you had, and you felt like, man, I can't question God. Don't question God. That's what we get all the time. And what I realized when I got older and started doing this thing, that um, God don't have a problem with your questions. I mean, all through the scriptures, you read through the scripture, Old Testament in particular, you see a whole lot of folk asking God a whole lot of questions. And sometimes they real ornery about them questions too. And they like, and then you got some people like Moses, like reminding God of stuff. When God was mad with Israel, I love that scene. God was mad with Israel. He's ready to kill everybody. They down there partying. All that God had done delivered them out of Egypt. And Moses and God up on Mount Sinai talking. The people down there partying around the golden calf. And God is like, you know what? I'm about to kill them all. They, I mean, look at them. That calf ain't bring them out of Egypt. And here come Moses. Can't do that, God. I love this scene. You can't do it. Because look, look at the mind game Moses tried to play on God. This is real. You got to read the story. He's like, because you know, God, if you kill them, people are going to be like, you're not really a deliverer. Because like, you delivered them to kill them. Folk won't actually know that you are God. God is like, you know what? You got a point. You see, what that story tells me is that God can handle spiritual negotiations. And God can handle your questions. Because a God who can't handle your, an infinite God who can't handle my finite questions may not be an infinite God. God can handle your questions. So ask away. And if you read the Old Testament, you see a whole lot of folks who ask some tough questions and God didn't smite them because they questioned him. And in that moment there, there, Jesus is listening and asking questions. And then he said, and she says to him, mother, how could you do this to us? We've been sitting here looking for you. You're worrying us to death. Now, let me just tell you, if, if Mary is any kind of mother like the mother I had, that moment wasn't sweet. See, y'all laughing halfway. Your mother ever tell you to stay right there and don't move? And you move and got lost and you crying? Listen, I'm going to take it way back. This happened to me as a she may not remember. This happened to me, I'm sure how old this is, in a store called Alexander's. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember Alexander's? My New York folk are here. Alexander's. And my mother told me to stand right here. And something about that statement messed my whole spirit up, and I felt like I needed to move. And then I got lost. And then I started crying. And then the lady at the store found me. and was like, where's your mother? I don't know. 
And then all of a sudden, I saw my mother. And when I saw my mother, I wished I hadn't seen my mother. Because I'm thinking in my mind, she should be happy to see me. No, she was far from that. I saw fire in her eyes, Jack. I want to tell her that's not really my mother. I know Mary didn't say that, come. You know, we've been looking for you all over the place. And why would you do that to us? That's not the way it was came out. I know that ain't the way it came out. And then he says, did you not know that I would be in my father's house? I can't imagine. One day I'll preach this about Joseph because I can't imagine how he felt hearing those words. And then it says this. She didn't fully understand everything he was saying. But watch this. For the third time in Luke, the verb, she treasured it in her heart. I mean, she valued it. She thought deeply about it. She saw all the connections through the confirmation of who her son was. And all the confirmation told her that he's not all the way just yours. That there are other people waiting on your baby. There are blind people waiting on your baby. There are lame people waiting on your baby. There are dead people waiting on your baby. And she treasured everything she heard in her heart. And she must now continue to raise the God child. She must raise him. How do you nurture a God-sized dream? How do you raise a God-sized dream? How do you raise hope for the world? The truth is, you never know who you're raising. Because God's plans are bigger than your plans. And I know that God could have done this anyway. I know because if God is who we believe God to be, there are myriad of ways that God could have brought salvation into this world. But God chose to bring salvation through this woman. Somehow, what she would birth would be the blessing to all. And what she gave birth to would be the blessing to all. That God came through a woman's womb to save us. Thank God for a mother. Whom God uses physiologically and biologically to nurture and grow our futures. Thank God for a mother. Why is it important to have a mother in your life or a mother figure? Because I said at the beginning, everyone who's biological may not have the assignment. Why? All I can do is share a few things, I think, for those mothers who are here and those children who are here with mothers or reflecting on this day about your mother, that you can feel these things. A mother is the first place, or a mother figure is the first place you actually learn what love feels like. Not what it looks like, because love is hard to describe, but what it feels like. A mother is the one who shows you love in action. And it comes in subtle ways. 
Sometimes it's in the subtle hug or a kiss on the cheek or or for me it's those memories of my mother laying next to my mother and 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 cuddling in her arms and she praying with me and teaching me now I lay me down to sleep I pray the Lord my soul to keep and if I die before I wake I pray the Lord my soul to take I ain't know what it meant but what I like is that when I said it my mother hugged me a little tighter it's that love that that love you experience that only a mother can give or someone who's been a mother in your life can give you is the place where you first learn the expansiveness of love at times. I keep saying mother figures because for those of us who maybe didn't have the biological mother in our lives, there was some mother figure in our lives who helped us. Because here's what love looks like. Love looks like honoring you for who you are. You know that? My mother says something to me all the time. She knows she's going to be embarrassed today. No matter who I am, we have this little back and forth because she still want to fuss at me at times. And I'll, and I'll pull this card up. Ma, I'm your pastor. <laughs> She'd be like, I don't care. I'm your mother. Right? Why? Because who you may think you are don't matter to the woman who carried you before you knew yourself. No matter how much you rise, no matter how great you are, you will always be your mother's child. And so it is almost insane to come around your mother putting on airs and pretense. She don't care about what you have or what degrees you got or what job you have or how much money. She don't, Listen, my mother tells me that she don't even care about the gifts I get. Just get me a card and write something nice and let me know that you care about me. That's it. Because a mother loves you in a way that she affirms who you are. And she's not impressed by the things other people may be impressed with about you. She loves the fact that you belong to her. Why? Because she's the first example to show you what God's love really looks like. I don't care what you have. and I don't care what you don't have. I care that you belong to me. That is an extension of God's hand over your life. That's why sometimes we didn't know how valuable that little call was until you got it. You didn't know how valuable it was to get that mom's call until you missed it. You didn't know how important it was to hear your mother tell you she loves you until she was no longer here. And then you realize reflectively how amazing it was to have a human being who was willing to put their hands on you and tell you how much they loved you and tell you how special you were and tell you how amazing you were. Can you imagine that? That she, Mary, had the responsibility of raising someone who would be amazing, but raising him in such a way that he honored the best of who he was connected to God. God. That's the responsibility that many of our mothers have. And thank God for those women who pour into us, who love us in spite of us, who say, there's some mothers right now. I don't care how jacked up you are. You better not touch my baby. I don't care how messed up you are. You can't talk and say nothing bad about my child. I don't care. And a mother, would, that's what the love looks like. It is called unconditional love. How many of you in here have been loved unconditionally by a woman who played the role of your mother or your mother, who when you lost your mind were able to help you find it right back. When you lost a sense of who you were, they reminded you who you were. Yes. That love that accepts you for who you are, one, encourages you when you forget to encourage yourself. Oh, my God, that's it.
It's the same call. You know what? When you can hear on the other end of that phone sometime or that text, probably a phone because, you know, some of my mothers act like they don't like the text. When you get that call and you hear that person say, I'm proud of you. See, when you say I love you, that's powerful. But when you hear I'm proud of you, you see, what some folk don't know and people don't always understand is that when you do things as a child, and I can speak for myself, I spent 52 years just trying to make my mother proud of me. That's it. Wasn't always a perfect child, didn't always do things right, but I could always depend on my mother to encourage me. That's what it is. You see, sometimes as parents, we forget, especially when we feel we don't have things that other people have. We can't give our children. Other people can give our children. Yes, you can. You can give them more than that. Material things mean nothing. But when you can say, I love you, and don't watch this. I'm speaking to some mothers in here today, too. And when you can say that, it doesn't matter if you didn't hear it. Let your child hear it. It doesn't matter if nobody told you they were proud of you. You tell your child. Break the cycle in that moment. Because I'm speaking from experience. If you didn't grow up in that environment where there was affection and love, break the cycle. And you now become that mother to the child who always used to get to a point, mom, where your child can never count how many times you say I love you or I'm proud of you. It should be a number that can never be named or counted. That's what you do because you have no idea what that affirmation of love and encouragement of responsibility does in the mind and the life of that child. So that's why we thank God for mothers. One who love us in spite of ourselves and two who speak words of encouragement to push us when we feel like giving up. Thank God for them. And then lastly, well, not lastly, thank God for mothers who make sacrifices. You hear me? How many of you in here today know your mother made sacrifices for you? There you go. Sacrifices. I went to college. And probably now the first time I could talk about this and not break down in tears, because every time I talk about it, I start crying. My mother never got a college degree. Grew up in a hard experience in Barbados. But she made sure that I got what she never had. I went to school at Morehouse because it was this five-foot woman who worked a job all week and then on weekends went and cleaned white folk houses to make sure I had money and that my degree was paid for. I say it that way because everybody she worked for didn't treat her nice. She was a hired hand. She took it. Because my future was worth their abuse. You hear me? When you had a mother who will make this, or a mother figure, or auntie, or grandmother who had to play that role, who were willing to make sacrifices for you so that you could show up one day. Because they don't know who you're really going to become, but they do know you belong to them. 
who will make those sacrifices for you. And you didn't always understand that when you were a child, what they were doing or how they were doing, going on weekends and selling Mary Kay cosmetics so that I would have a little something, going and sex, cook, making clothes for people and sewing outfits for people so I could have a little something. You don't understand those sacrifices. But when you get old enough to understand what those mothers did in your life, what do you do? You pay it forward. You tell some folk the reason why I'm going to be a blessing in your life is because my mama made a sacrifice for me and I'm going to make a sacrifice for somebody else. If there's nothing else you thank God for, you thank God for a mother who knew how to call on your name and lift you up before God. You know, when the folks said somebody prayed for me, had me on their mind and took the time to pray for me. I'm so glad they prayed. Yeah, I had a mama who prayed for me and she had a whole lot to pray for. But she prayed for me. If you know that you had somebody who was that mother who prayed for you, you ought to just lift your hands even right now. Your grandmother, your auntie, your godmother, your mother, thank you for praying for me. If they passed on to be in eternity with God, lift up their names right now and thank God for those women, those women, those women in your lives. Come on, lift their names up into the atmosphere. Those women who nurtured you, those women who guided you, those women who sustained you, those mothers and aunties and grandmothers and God and great grandmamas who are able to keep you and sustain you and keep you in your right mind and set an example for you. See, I keep saying the mother figures because some of us, I don't want you to say, well, I didn't have a good mother pastor. Don't stay there. Because you sometimes didn't see the mothers because you didn't see your mother. But they were there lingering. I grew up in a day and a time where on my block, there were multiple mothers. I know it's a different time now, but boy, it was something to say. and something to be said. When you got in trouble at home, you tried to go down the street to get sympathy. <laughs> Crying to my, my mama gave me a whooping. You wanted a hug. Then my godmother was like, well, what'd you do? To get the whooping. Oftentimes, it takes many mothers to mother you. Many. You can think back in your life right now of the mothers who mothered you beyond my own mother, my godmother, my fourth grade teacher, my second grade teacher. The women who saw me doing wrong and reminded me whose child I was. Thank God for a mother in our lives and those women who nurtured us. Stand on your feet for a second. We getting ready to leave. Because I know y'all got to hurry up and make y'all reservations today. <laughs> we do this every Mother's Day, but I want to do it today. Yesterday, one of our vendors has a I would call it a ministry to, to people who've lost their mothers. And she asked me yesterday, she gave me a, 
a shirt from her work, a, a, a hoodie. And she said, she said to me, she said, is your mother still with us? And I said, yes. And she gave me a hug. She said, well, thank God for that. Thank God for that. There's some of us here today who our mothers are no longer with us. All right. I, I, I want you to come on down here today. But hold on. Matter of fact, hold on. Wait, before we do that, hold on. The first group of y'all want to come down. Before that, I want the people in here to come down one, one first. Maybe you didn't know your mother, biological mother. I want you to come down. Don't be ashamed. That's you today. Maybe you didn't know. Second, if you didn't have a great relationship with your biological mother, come on down. Come on down. Come on down. Don't don't be ashamed of that today. Yeah. You didn't have the greatest relationship. That's tough to publicly admit at times. And it's tough. Especially when you see friends with their mothers or you hear this and you then think about sometimes you live with regret about what you didn't have. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. No need. Because what I realized growing up, right, is that sometimes we get to choose our family. Some of us in here today had to learn how to choose a mother figure because either we didn't know or because we didn't have a great relationship. Oh, yeah, play that song. Yeah. And if the day is tough, I get it. I get it. Because some people don't know why this day is so tough for you. And even why you cry so much on this day and you wish things could have been different you wished it was and it wasn't but here's the thing here's the thing you may have you may have thought that you lacked something and that feeling is real but in spite of what you thought you lacked here's the obvious thing you're you made it to this point in your life. You made it. And sometimes it took somebody else's mother. It may have taken an aunt or a grandmother. It may have taken a friend so that you didn't feel alone. I want you to feel. And there was something about our ancestors. They knew, they knew something. When they would remind us who God was in our lives, they would say this. They would say this, Ricky. They would say, he's a mother to the motherless. They knew something. In those moments when you didn't have what you wish you had, you can still feel the overpowering and overwhelming presence of God in your life. You didn't know fully what it was, but you felt something pushing and keeping and guiding you. 
It's only in reflect, in reflex, you reflect over, you realize it was God. It was God. So I wanted you to come here first so that you would not feel like you've been alone. And, and you too have a reason to celebrate. Even if you didn't know your biological mother or didn't have a great relation with your mother, you still have a reason on this day to celebrate. Because you got here through a womb. And if nothing else, if there's never been a relationship and you never knew that woman the way you wish you could have, guess what? Somebody pushed you out. delivered you no matter how long you live you can look back on that and be like God I thank you because I'm here and I'm still here now lastly those who are here and your heart is heavy because mom ain't here no more if you feel comfortable come on down if you just want to come on down if your heart feels heavy today because mom ain't here Yeah, I really need to know. Because mm. cause, cause it can be tough. I know it is. And don't feel bad. The tears flow. That's okay. I always tell people that when you are grieving, there's no timetable on that. Don't let anybody make you hurry up with your grief. How long are you going to be sad? It was my mother. It was my mother. What did you expect? I remember I lost my grandfather at 15. It took me 18 years to stop grieving. 18 years. Don't let nobody hurry up your grief in your mourning because that grief in mourning comes from a place of love and every time you do you honoring the love you had for that woman in your life come on let's go to God thank you God for for giving us the gift of mothers in our lives the truth is oh God some of us have had multiple mothers in our lives who sought to love on us and nurture us. God, thank you for what that meant and what it has meant. Because, God, there's some of us who are mourning because of the loss of a mother right now, oh God. Trying to figure out how we're going to forge forward without mom around. But the truth is, oh God, mom never left. The spirit is still right there nurturing and guiding and leading and every now and again when we still ourselves enough we can hear her voice feel her touch hear her words so god for those who are grieving and mourning right now oh god we lift them up before you that you would ease the the pain and then oh god there are those today who didn't have and don't have a great relationship with their mothers god we won't get into the intricacies of it. You understand that. But God, just hold their hearts today. Hold their hearts today. 
Because today, oh God, while everyone is talking about the beauty of motherhood and the joy of it, oh God, for some, it's a painful moment filled with deep longings for connection and relationship. So God, be with them today. Hold their heart. And then, oh God, there's some who never knew their mother. They didn't really know who their biological mother was, but somehow you found a way to mother them, God, through some auntie or grandma or grand or godmother or even a neighbor, somebody you had to stand in the gap and be that, oh God. But the most important thing, oh God, is that for some who may be angry, ease that animosity right now. Take away the bitterness, oh God, and instead of thinking about what we don't have or didn't have, think about what we do have and have experienced. God, thank you for putting a community around us to love on us and love us back to our right minds and love us back to wholeness. God, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thank you for never leaving us alone. For never leaving us alone. Hey, for never leaving us alone. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. And we say amen. 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 Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward.